0: Firstly, if we have this mental wealth team, this support network around us, then it gives us opportunities to be braver and to have more fun. And if we're having more fun, then we laugh more, we create more memories and we enjoy what's going on. And that that is a direct uh, benefit of having a powerful, strong fit for purpose mental wealth team. And the the second one is is a bit of a call to action, um, but it's the reality check. Um, We don't have to be a mental health expert to ask better questions of our fellow human beings. So when you ask somebody a question, are you okay?" And they come back with that stupid phrase, fine. Fine is an acronym for all sorts of rudeness. But the reality check is it's it's potentially covering up a whole uh, heap of hurt or problems or stuff they don't want to open to at that stage. And it's as I say, it's our duty as humans and good citizens or whatever else, to not let that drop. Hi there, my name is Mike Pagan, uh, author of Mental Wealth, and you're listening to the Travelling Optimist podcast with Steve Odie.
1: No man is an island entire of itself. Now, my interpretation of this phrase is that to be successful in all areas of your life, you can't do it on your own. And in the context of living your best life, and also the context of my guest Mike Pagan in his new book, Mental Wealth, it means you would need to people in your network who will be there for you, offering you the proactive support and encouragement to make a truly positive difference in your life and unlock your potential. Mike is an author of multiple books, a motivational speaker and acclaimed coach with decades of experience in helping others achieve phenomenal success. But there have been stages in his life and career where Mike has found himself lost, alone and isolated due to a lack of significant support. But what he learnt to do was to surround himself with his own hand-picked mental wealth team. This has led him on a journey to a happier life, be more successful in business, and he now feels more mentally and physically able to navigate the next stage of his journey. Mike is very much an optimist. And you can feel his positivity throughout the conversation. But I also felt that Mike is one of those rare people who will give you the facts straight. And I can see why he's been so successful in his career. This attribute is a key to why so many retiring elite athletes come to him for advice when they transition back into normal life. So this is me and super coach and author Mike Pagan talking about the importance of having the right people around you. It's a conversation about not asking for permission to live a fulfilled life, but learning to ask better questions to support other people and enabling us all to lead a better life. But ultimately, this is a conversation about making self-care a priority in our lives and not being too proud to ask for help. OK, let's go. Hey everybody and welcome to the Travelling Optimist podcast with Steve Odie. Today's guest is Mike Pagan from uh, Mental Wealth, the author of Mental Wealth. Uh, Welcome to the show, Mike. Uh, Welcome to the home of optimism. How are you doing?
0: I'm I'm very happy. I like the idea of the home of optimism. It feels like I'm just sort of going to get cleverer and happier via osmosis just for being here.
1: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's that's the the whole thought of it. And actually, it fits in quite well because, you know, your health is your wealth, and uh, and I know that you've you've re- recently written a book um, all about mental wealth, haven't you? So we're going to be talking a little bit about that, um, and also um, I know that you're a, a pretty interesting chap who's got a bit of a, a great history and uh, and a story to tell. So uh, I'm excited to delve a little bit deeper into uh, into what's made Mike Pagan uh, Mike Pagan now. So uh, well, uh, you know, I'm interested to learn a little bit more about that. But first of all, with the book. It's called Mental Wealth. And tell us a little bit more about what, what you know, the, the story behind writing the book and and, and what it's about.
0: Okay. Uh, I, I love the phrase you just said there, about your health is your wealth, because uh, that feeds uh, very, very closely into what we're describing here. Um, so in, in the world where people are talking about mental health and the challenges associated with that, Uh, categorically right from the off, I am not a mental health expert. Uh, So this is not me telling you what to do and how to work it and fix it, because there are thousands of mental health experts across the globe that are brilliant at the work they do. And it's very, very much needed. Obviously, mental wealth is a take on the language of mental health. And my belief is that having a strong mental wealth to support network a mental wealth team, as I call it, we are far more likely to achieve greatness and have the right people supporting us and doing uh, the, the, the good things than we are without them. And if you think of it like a, a mental wealth bank account, uh, if, if you're if you're drawing on empty, then guess what? We're going to have more problems. Uh, and the, the challenges come from isolation. The, 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 for me, the word isolation describes uh, uh, and, and kills creativity. And as a result of killing creativity, it prevents decision making. When we're not making decisions, then what potentially happens, we get into that detrimental negative spiral that can lead into uh, issues with our mental health. Uh, every, everybody is on a mental health spectrum every day. Uh, I mean, you could wake up on a Tuesday morning and feel awesome. And then on a Wednesday morning, for no apparent reason, you you feel like a bag of spanners. Um, so, so we all ebb and flow. Uh, but it's understanding how we can build that uh, support network around us that's fit for purpose for the way forward not the way we've just come and then enables us to make brilliant decisions find our true direction focus and everything else uh, and and enjoy the journey
1: so um what was the sort of inspiration for the book and and was it covid related in terms of did that sort of give you the impetus or was it all done was this you know a few years ago when you've been planning this I,
0: I started uh, uh, this is my fourth book um so I, I started writing this one a couple of years ago and then uh, uh, I, I just didn't have the flow didn't have the momentum and then when um the lockdowns and everything came through the COVID setup I was very strict with myself I said right I'm going to do it just knuckle down and work it uh, and that I set myself a daily target of writing. And uh, if I didn't, if I missed a day, I had to double up, uh, mm. that, that sort of a, a, a element. But it, it gets you into pro, uh, real progress and flow. However, sadly, during during the writing process, um, I, I lost a friend. Um, he went through a very ugly divorce, uh, was um, estranged from his son. And then with the pandemic and everything else, uh, he decided to. It, it was too much and, and he took his life. Um, And but what that did for me was it sort of gave me a a, an avatar, uh, somebody that I was writing the book for and towards, because this is a man who um, was a gregarious personality. He was an extrovert. He was life and soul. Um, He had a support network. He had friends around him uh, and he should have been at a significant birthday that I had and, and we'd have chatted. And, I, and I'm not saying that if I talked to him about what I was doing and what I was writing, it would have changed the outcome. He was, he mm. was a determined, intelligent man. Uh, uh, but what, what it taught me was if, if I or somebody, and this is the key point, if I or somebody had just asked the right questions on the right day in the right environment, we may have triggered a different uh, snowball effect that had happened. Mm. And, and this is where mental wealth has come from. One of my primary objectives of, of the book is I I believe in comparison to books I've written before, I this for me is a book that has a potential legacy edge to it. And I believe that this has the potential to, to change lives and potentially even save a life. And when I put it into that perspective, when we build the right proactive support network, the people who truly got your back and are helping you in your day-to-day activities, personally, professionally, uh, emotionally, physically, health, whatever it is, then we are more likely to uh, deal with the ups and downs more effectively. And, and because of that, we've got a strong foundation, which means we can make bolder, braver decisions because we know what we're doing rather yeah. than just winging it.com and making it up as we go along, which we all do at times, but that's when we can make uh, massive mistakes and challenges mm. uh, Guilty as charged.
1: Yeah, I guess building that network is 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 important, um, and it has it's proved very um, very important over the last eighteen months, isn't it? And so, how have you how have you built your network over over the years? And and uh, who's included? Because obviously, you know, sometimes you get in your network people that you don't get on, do you? Or do you sort of are you saying get rid of those people? You know, move them away out of the out of the system, and and just include those people that you know you have synergy with.
0: Okay, uh, the the starting place on this is to understand what the makeup of your mental wealth team is today. Um, And so uh, the this is totally subjective, non-scientific, but it just involves a pen and paper. I know people don't necessarily always have those to hand, but uh, it's just uh, and and you write down all the names of the people that are um, in your support network and, and then score them on a level of one to 10 as to how committed to you are they? Yeah. So it's, it's totally arbitrary. Uh, some people will have a long list some will have a shorter list, um, but it's, it's just one to 10 scoring them. I mean, for, for me, my wife would have the dentist in her support network because she's so paranoid and afraid of um, uh, dentistry uh, that uh, absolutely, she's got his number probably on speed dial on her phone. <laughs> I don't think she's having an affair with him, It's just, but it's it's, it's just, it's one of those things. Uh, when we go on holiday or whatever else, she's guaranteed to crunch a tooth or do whatever else and then all hell breaks loose. So, yeah. so that's part of her network. But when you when you go through this list, you then look at the scores you've given people. And if you've scored somebody one to three, then they're they're an acquaintance at best. They know your name. They know who you are. They haven't got your back. They're not committed in any way, shape or form. Uh, if you've got fours and fives, then uh, they know you. You're part of a team. You're part of the school. You're part of a church or whatever it is you do. Um, and if you don't turn up for two months because you, you you've broken your leg, you've got you've, you're on holiday, whatever it is, uh, they're not going to reach out during that time. But when they come back, they'll make a fuss of you because they they may have missed you, may not. Mm. Then you've got your sixes and sevens. Now these people can be your best mates. They can be people that are really close to you. Uh, you know them, you go to birthdays, you share um, many interests and everything else. However, with those people, you're you're not going to share your innermost fears, your uh, financial challenges, your opportunities and everything else. So so you won't, it's it's, a, it's skin deep. Um, so the only people that score eight, nines and tens, these are the ones that count mm. in your mental wealth team. So, there's, and if you think of social media nowadays, we've got thousands or hundreds or whatever in different formats. But the, the, you're only going to have a small number of people who've truly got your back, and they score eight, nines, and tens, and they're the ones that match. And if you, if, to start off with doing this, if you've only got two or three, that's fine. That's a baseline. That's a start. You could have zero, uh, but it's, it's it's a starting point. And if you've got loads, if you think you've got twenty or thirty, then you've probably been a little bit over generous in the scoring because we, we I think we all know that that's not going to be likely and it's knowing where you are today so that we can then go out and find through different a- areas and different tactics people to build up your mental wealth team so it, it becomes stronger for you
1: yeah yeah okay so with that in mind obviously over the last 18 months um the mental health has been um, very prevalent and so therefore this book, is is coming out at the right time, really, isn't it? Because it does it does dovetail quite nicely with that, doesn't it? And and but self care generally is is often sort of brushed under the carpet a little bit, particularly with men. Um, and I just wondered what your thoughts are on that.
0: Well, for, for me, there's there's four areas where you build these people from, and the first one is self care. So please, you use that language because it, it works. And, and for me, self care. Uh, the starting point of self-care is understanding where you are in the pecking order. Mm. Um, and that's where you put yourself. Um, and for me, historically, I've always been number six in my family. Yeah, Wife, three kids and a dog, all coming ahead of me. Uh, and, I, and I know that, that sounds, yeah, right. But no, in my head, it was always doing stuff for everybody else first. Um, and it's, in that reality, when you switch around to making yourself number one, if I'm not fit for purpose, if I'm not in the best condition uh, mentally, physically, nutritionally, whatever else, how can I help others? How can I help the nearest and dearest that need me potentially the most? Mm. So, making yourself number one is is so important. And in the world of well-being and self-care and everything else, it, it's 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 the first position we have to get to. And then that we do that by our focus on everything from nutrition, uh, fitness, health. Uh, smoking drinking uh, mindfulness meditation whatever it is but more often than not we don't know all the answers on how to do that right Mm. so we've got to pull those people into that team that will help us achieve it and then be disciplined in the things we do that self-motivates and so on Mm. so so for me I'm a, a bit of a weekend warrior I do some stupid activities and challenges at different times and uh, uh, five years ago, uh, along with a team of uh, guys that I play water polo with, we were the fastest men's relay team to swim the English Channel, wow. which is one of those wow. random, stupid things you do. But uh, it took two years of training to learn how to do it, get used to swimming in a pair of beautiful budgie smugglers in cold water, dodging jellyfish and tankers, because uh, that's what you do. Uh, but what it did, what it taught me, uh, it, it showed me – a. a An activity. And I now I do enjoy open water swimming and that whole process. If you're in a pool, you've got a black line on the bottom, lots of chlorine, snot and rubbish and everything else in the water. And you've got to turn around every 25 meters. Uh, You get into a lake or a river and you can just go for ages upon ages. And then that taught me about meditation and mindfulness, because I've never been able to sit still long enough to do meditation. Because my brain sparks up or my legs get fidgety or I, or I fall asleep, the other yeah. extreme. Um, but doing that when swimming, whether it be through counting strokes or just enjoying the environment, because you know how far you're going, you know the lap of the lake, you know the, the, the stretch of water. So you just get in, you head down, you spot every now and again to make sure you're not going to crash into somebody else or a boat or whatever it is. Uh, but it, and it became really very cathartic and therapeutic, mm. uh, and, and so it's it's this is the self care which is the first step. But, but we always need other people in there to help us. Uh, otherwise, doing one thing once doesn't change anything. So categorically,
1: I like the idea of th- that meditation through activity, which is it sounds counterintuitive, doesn't it? But actually, I find that when I go riding a bike. Um, because it's just me and the machine and it's just me and that hill that I've got to go up, if you know what I mean. And you, you tend to focus on just one thing, don't you? Everything else in your life is actually... Is not important.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, you, weirdly, you have you, you, had a, a car crash. The uh, the, the forgotten the shopping. The client that you really wanted to land has just cancelled. Etc. All of the worries of the world are going on. Yeah, and then when you're cycling up a hill, you're swimming down a river. You're 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 in a gym with a, a pair of noise reduction headphones on, just whilst you're doing it. You, you can't hear any of this external noise. Mm. You are just in the moment. And mm. it, I mean, in, in the sporting world, obviously, they talk about things like flow. Um, and it, that's absolutely what we're talking about here. Yeah. And it just gives you that uh, headspace, peace of mind, a bit of uh, escapism, on one side of it, but afterwards, the endorphin kick and the rush and everything else. Yeah. Now, what I do have to say here, though, clearly, categorically, uh, exercise and fitness isn't for everybody. So what we need to do is translate this into what works for you. Mm. Um, so uh, I, I know uh, from from gardening to uh, you've seen the Olympics um, in, in August of, of 2021, where you got Tom Daly knitting. Uh, I mean, yeah. there, 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 the, these are activities that people do, which are cathartic. They just switch you off and it's finding the ones that work for you because uh, yeah. it, 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 you can't be told which one to do you can yeah. be shown up options but it's the one that bites the one that uh, you, you look at the chefs you look at people who love baking uh you, you always go around there and they've got three cakes available yeah. and that's not because they really want to eat cakes the whole time well may, maybe not it's because they love the craft of creating a cake of whatever yeah. format so yeah they, they keep doing it and then they're constantly selling them or giving them away because they don't want to eat them all because their waistline will become larger than they wish. <laughs> so
1: that's really interesting. I love that. Um, but you mentioned there were four elements to the yeah. process, self-care being one. Can I ask, you know, without sort of divulging too much of what no, no, I, I, I
0: happily, happily share them all? I mean, uh, the, the second area is, is, is the coach, uh, because we we achieve more uh, with a coach than we would without. And this is this is about that external eye that's understanding your self-serving and your self-sabotaging habits. Mm. And when you know what those are, more often than not, we avoid them, we stick our head in the sand and hope they go away. Whereas we've if we've an empowered a coach, an external person to turn around and say, uh, look, Steve, uh, you've told me three times uh, that you want to do this, but you're not doing it. What mm. are we going to do? Now, it's four times you've told me what we're going to do. Steve, we can keep going on this. This could be seven times now. <laughs> they, Cause they don't, they won't let it go. That, that's their role is to probe and cajole. And, it, and in the sporting environment, I, I had the privilege of working with a, a number of elite sportsmen and women transitioning to their life after sport. So when when they're on the track and they um, or in the pool or in the uh, in the on the pitch or whatever it is, they have circa 35 people keeping them on board keeping them on flow, in focus, and getting more out of them. When the guillotine comes down at the end of career, all of those people are not fit for purpose going forward. Mm. So they need a a new type of coach, somebody who's going to help unlock different processes. Not tell them what to do. It's find three or four options that they can uh, (laughs) dispute, challenge, uh, focus on, uh, digest, whatever it is. Mm. And then they come up with the one that they want to do. Which will then help them build new habits, new uh, systems that enable them to stay the distance. So, so the coach is very important.
1: Yeah. The,
0: uh, the next one, I'll, I'll go go through the next one because uh, I know you're going to challenge me on it. Uh, is the uh, professional team, and this is this is the slightly dry area, but it's the one and it's the one that generally costs us money. But this is having accountants, solicitors, and wealth management. And these people ask us a, a, a questions devoid of emotion. Mm-hmm. So uh, the classic example for me, uh, I I did some property investing in the noughties, and um, some went well, some went all right, and a couple of them were horrifically wrong. Uh, one of them took me 13 or 14 years to complete on a property in Cyprus, etc., etc. Mm-hmm. I won't bore you with the details, but needless to say, I was very... I'm I, I was very embarrassed for many years to talk about it because, in hindsight, if I'd had the independent legal advice, if I'd had the wealth management team asking me better questions, if I had the accountant saying we can't do this or we can't do it, then my my professional team would have all killed the idea off before I put the deposit down. Yeah. Okay. Um, but then the pos- deposit was down, and I was tied in for life. I completed on it last year.
1: Yeah. That's
0: that's how long it took. <laughs> um i don't i know I, I can see your facial expressions which kind of says it all um but when we've got those people it's it's it helps us do the stuff we really want to be doing yeah, um, yeah. i mean I, I know when um when my parents were around i didn't know what my father earned or earned um, and i know that he didn't know what i earn or earned so we can't be financially naked with our nearest of kin How are we meant to make any decisions? Mm. So we have to empower and trust these professional people who can then ask us real questions uh, when we're trying to research the new car, the new house, the holiday, the cuddly toy, whatever it is, Mm. depending on how much materialism we need or want. Um, Then these people are there to help us um, ask better questions than we would ourselves when we get emotionally attached or involved with a decision because yeah. they don't do that bit no. they just look at the numbers they look at the 47 pages of terms and conditions that are going to bite you in the bum and um tell you this is not a good idea and because you trust them then you take their advice
1: yes no i i get that totally uh, but to be fair i'm not going to challenge you on it because i i i absolutely i i agree with you good. um and I'm, I'm working with uh a really great guy one of the best in the business a wealth wealth planner called doug bennett and i've seen firsthand the work that he does with clients um and you know he he um he's got this trademark it's called uh, work optional lifestyle financial planning and and basically he he plans his clients financial security you know from 50 upwards really and when Clients come into the office and they've they've got the they seem like they've got the the weight of the world on their shoulders. You know, mm. financially, they don't really know if they can, you know, if they're looking to retire. Could they make is work optional or not? Is that something that they could do? I don't know. They don't know. And Jug, Doug speaks to them. He talks to them in great detail about it and they, they put a plan together and they walk out of this office. This might be like the second time they've come in, but they walk out of the office free my god they've got this it's a, a really different energy to it and so i i totally get what you're saying with that and that that team of, and, and, and uh, so
0: so that one is the that's the professional team and yeah. it's it's one you pay for yes but they're not on speed dial so you you, you don't have to become best mates with them although my wealth manager has become one of my better mates um but it, it's that whole element if we've got that in part of our mental wealth team then Wow. The, the, our confidence and our comfort to make decisions, mm-hmm. to make braver decisions because we've got somebody else analyzing and supporting us with it rather than us just going off on a tangent and saying, oh, let's go for it. It's, mm-hmm. uh, um, it was one of, one of those um, d- discussions after my issues on the property side of things. And it, and it was sort of what level of risk was I willing to accept because uh, some mm-hmm. of it was actually quite random. Yeah. Um, in, in hindsight, but at the time I was dealing with people I trusted, I worked with, um, and I thought they had the answers, but uh, um, I hadn't dug deep enough and my due diligence failed and so had theirs, sadly. Uh, yeah. So it becomes almost reckless, which is never a word you want to associate with money. But yeah. uh, if it's reckless, then you might as well go to a casino.
1: <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, I agree. Uh, so that's that's number three. What's the last yeah. one?
0: The last one. Now, th- this is this is one I think is uh, one of the most powerful, but it's also one that's used uh, the least by many people, unless you happen to be in the learning and development world, in which case you probably would use it. And this is masterminding or peer support groups. Um, and, and, the, and the foundations of those is when you're at the top of a tree, uh, be that a uh, uh, five thousand employees, or a solopreneur, or uh, a mum at home with three young children, whatever it happens, or a dad at home with three young children.
1: Mm.
0: Uh, it, it's who do we turn to for that external support and advice and challenge, be that personally or professionally? Mm. Uh, and this this is where masterminding comes in, and it, and it it stems from um, it stems from Birmingham in the UK. Uh, the Americans try to claim it with Napoleon Hill and Think and Grow Rich, uh, sort of talking about Henry Ford and others. But actually, you go back to the 1760s. And um, in those days, there was a, a society created called the Lunar Society. And the Lunar Society had luminaries in it, such as Erasmus Darwin, Michael Bolton. And during the Industrial Revolution, And uh, because they were challenging the boundaries of construction and and industry, which potentially had an impact on religion in those days, because it was sort of slightly narrow minded, they had to meet in secret at night under the light of the full moon, hence the Lunar Society. Right. Um, But what you had in that environment was they were non-competitive. They just challenged each other. They were intellectuals. Uh, with uh, massive, great big engineering or uh, creative thinking, and they were supporting each other and making it work. Um, and because of that, it was done in total confidence. So they could be open, honest, and real. Yeah. And that, that theory, that framework is now used as masterminding, where you have half a dozen to a dozen people around a table. You're in the hot seat. They're asking you questions about your business, your personal, whatever your opportunities and challenges are that you're thinking about. Yeah. And at the end of your session, they'll all turn around and say, right, Steve, if I was running your business, these are the three things I'd do. Um, And when you conclude, you say, "Okay, guys, uh, this almost sounds like Alcoholics Anonymous. (laughs) uh, But you turn around, these are the three things I commit to doing before next meeting. Um, And you will do them, even if you do them at two o'clock in the morning before driving to the next meeting or getting online for the next meeting. You do those things because this is true accountability. And then the flip side of this is when you're in the challenging consulting coaching chair rather than in the hot seat, you're learning just as much because you're challenging a person about doing X, Y, and Z. And you know in your heart of hearts, you're a complete hypocrite because you're not doing it yourself. Uh, So you take actions from challenging others to take action. So it becomes a very, very powerful tool to the point that these individuals can become your best friends. Uh, I know one particular man in in a a mastermind group who um, got a severe cancer diagnosis, and he talked to his mastermind group about it first before he even mentioned it to his family because he knew he had that level of confidence, and he just wanted to get that support. So if you take on board those four areas, self-care, coaching, professional team, and the mastermind peer support groups, Out of that, you can find 5, 10, 15 people that build up a really, really strong mental wealth team that have all got your back, help you feel confident and comfortable when you're trying to make decisions to go forward. Mm -hmm. And then when mistakes happen or the world changes, um, some sort of lockdown thing comes along with it, they are there and they've got your back because they'll help you through that process. So you're not isolated and alone and banging your head against a brick wall, just screaming help because... We don't like asking for help, but these guys, we've given them permission, and they're asking better questions of us.
1: Yeah. So when did you, when did you feel that you've had these experiences for mental wealth? Have you, have you, have you got a mastermind group for yourself? Have you, you know, your coach and and stuff? How's how's that all working?
0: Um, I'm 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 transitioning at the moment, as as we all do. Uh, so I have certain people in my mastermind in my mental wealth team. Uh, that will move on because they've been great for a period of time, but I know they're looking forward. Are they fit for purpose for the future mm. for where I'm trying to take my business to where the, the guys that work for me and with me, uh, are they helping or is it time to get somebody who's a bit more savvy in this area, a bit more dynamic in that. And mm. so I'm doing that. So if I, if I score my mental wealth team at the moment, I'm scoring between sort of 70 and 80 uh, instead of uh, uh having eight or nine or 10 people um all scoring eight nines and tens and getting you into a hundred plus yeah uh, but that's because of the transition process uh, my my coach that i have he's really irritating because he's a he's a psychologist as well as a coach so he knows i'm lying before i've even opened my mouth uh, <laughs> which is which is quite irritating
1: you can read um, your mind
0: yeah, well, there's something like that. It's, I obviously touch my ear or fiddle with my face when I'm not telling the truth or something. Um, and then the the other one, aside of doing the, the silly big challenges like the, the channel and, and other cycling and climbing and other things like that that I do, um, I'd, I would ordinarily do three challenges per year that would take sort of eight to 12 weeks of training. Uh, and it's it's stuff. It's, my, my father was a short little fat guy. Um, So it's in my DNA to go the same way. And I've always vowed I never would. Um, So I I have to find these challenges just to keep me active and do stuff. Plus the fact I enjoy being fit and active. So it's it's not a chore to me. Mm. But it it does mean, though, that if I go for a a swim in a lake at seven o'clock on a Sunday morning uh, on a Saturday night, I'll stop having wine a lot earlier because swimming in a lake and burping up Rioja or Merlot or whatever it is you've been drinking the night before <laughs> it's never nice
1: <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine that's not a very nice experience
0: um no it it, it does keep you grounded
1: <laughs> yes I, I I can only imagine I, I I have to say that I'm not um I enjoy swimming but I I I need to I need a swim coach really to to get my uh swimming
0: well let, let me throw a suggestion in for you here uh, and, and and it's a suggestion of what uh, and I'd like the, the listeners to consider how they can use this solution or this option in the things that they're trying to achieve uh, and the thing that really improved my swimming efficiency and effectiveness because I'm not a fast swimmer I've got a good battery yeah I'm not but I'm, I'm not fast so you get people that jump in and they're, they're, they're fish they're d- disgraceful um uh, but it's so for me what I did was I went and had a swimming lesson in an endless pool Ah, yeah. and um, what they did there was they had one camera on me from above the water and three cameras under the water right which is an area that nobody ever normally sees so if you've got a coach on the side of a pool uh they can tell when you're breathing but they can't tell quite what you're doing with your hand and when it's coming through and all that side of things uh, and he gave me three tips on my first lesson. I only ever had two with him. Um, I got back in the water after those first three tips, and I was hitting the front of the endless pool. I was hitting the machine. Um, mm-hmm. I said, yeah, "Have you slowed it down?" He said, "No, no, you're just more effective because <laughs> I was breathing at the wrong time. My stroke wasn't complete, and I was uh, I was pulling through at the wrong angle." Yeah. Now, yeah. all of that, maybe the breathing bit, may or may not, but that was from a half an hour lesson in an endless pool. And so it's, it's finding out the equivalent of that for people that are trying to improve in their businesses. How can you get somebody putting in a four camera view of yeah. what you do? Well, that's where the coach comes in. Mm. Um, or, or, or if you want a seven or eight camera view, that's where the mastermind group comes in because yeah. they're all looking at what you're doing technically, uh, what you're doing efficiently, uh, and, and how you're sabotaging yourself. Uh, before you get into that environment, have you had large amounts of riaqua, and, and and you're going to uh, mess it up before you get in there? Yeah, and it, it's it, it's so simple, which is the annoying bit, but the the impact and the effect of it afterwards can really help you get more powerful, more um, more efficient, faster, more comfortable, mm. swimming longer. All of those above,
1: just those little tweaks, isn't it? Those little tweaks make a massive difference. That's really, I, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look up uh, the nearest instructor with an endless pool in, in, uh, in my area, and do that. But often,
0: uh, triathlon clubs and triathlon coaches have people attached in that environment. Yeah,
1: I might give them a give them a call.
0: It's it's, it's back to the old um, consultants cliche of the helicopter view of your business, uh, Michael Gerber theory, sort of looking down on the business so you can understand what's going on, rather mm. than being personally invested and involved. And that's whether you've got five thousand employees or you're a solopreneur. Or you're an employee at Audi or wherever it happens to be. Yeah. It's it's sort of understanding what you're doing that's helping you go in one direction. Yeah. Is that helping? Or are we actually getting busy doing stuff that doesn't matter? It's not helping us, and we're going off on tangents. Um, and guess what? This time next year we'll be in the same rubbish that we are this year because we haven't changed anything. We just yeah. keep on doing the same stuff. Something about insanity. I remember <laughs> it's it's attributed a quote to many people.
1: <laughs> yeah doing the same things but do, expecting different results um you mentioned earlier that you help elite athletes transition from their sporting career to life in civvy street if, if for want of a better expression and mm-hmm. i just wondered um so prior to, obviously writing your book is is not your main job or career is it so is 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 coaching a, a big element of your life
0: yeah it's so- my my primary work i do is in the form of coaching or non-exec work with um a, a small medium-sized businesses or going into corporate organizations and focusing in on the mental wealth of their company yeah uh, and, and in in that situation i'm looking at the things that the businesses are doing correctly the things that the businesses have got sorted in their mental wealth so there's the surveys we do with challenging questionnaires finding out about everything from well-being to what is this corporate social responsibility and their, 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 how they look after the planet because millennials and Generation X and others like that will not work for a company that doesn't care about the world. Right. Um, that, that is a massive quantum change that is happening. And businesses that aren't fit for that or aren't looking and um, understanding that or giving it lip service mm-hmm. are getting found out. We, we, this this is part of the way forward. It's uh, uh, the, the – um, do it my way at whatever cost is uh, something that is very much out of favor and will stay out of favor. Still got a, a generation or two to be wheedled out of those decision making processes. Um, but that, that's going on. And and we, we need to understand that so the mental wealth of a business can work for the longer term with yes. the right staff and the right loyal people that love what they're doing. And, and when they're loyal, when they're enjoying it, then their productivity goes up, especially with this hybrid working that we're in nowadays three or two days a week in the office mm. uh, that makes a big difference
1: mm. yeah no absolutely i was speaking to um, a lady called Lynn thomas um, in uh, in boston and she was talking about that a lot she's a, a change expert and 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 very uh, service orientated very much very much like you and she was talking in in great detail about that it's really interesting actually about how companies are having to change the the way that they think like you just explained uh very eloquently mm. and um you know to attract the best younger people now they've got to they've got to embrace all of that um all of the the sort of environmental issues and things that are going on around the world
0: i i, I have uh two daughters one uh, uh, has just finished graduated and another one that's uh, still at university and then my son is a sick former um and i uh, categorically they will not go somewhere that uh gives lip service to um the the, the planet mm. yeah <laughs> it, it's just no we're not interested if you don't care we don't care we're not coming near you goodbye <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: absolutely right. yeah okay all right yeah um so what got you into coaching then what was what happened prior to that what, what were you doing before that
0: I've, I've always uh, used coaching techniques and styles in, throughout all of my managerial life. Uh, when I, was, I had work in the corporate world, going back sort of uh, 25, 35 years ago now. mean, makes me sound very old. Uh, but it, yeah, that's always been my way is, is, is a coaching leadership style. Mm. Uh, because it, uh, I've, I've, I've in the sporting world, I, I, I got to the just below the ranks of professional rugby. Um, and it, I've had many coaches through that journey, uh, and I've seen it with my, my son when he was playing rugby as well. And you, you have some that motivate, inspire, and help people to achieve, and you've got the others that shout and scare. Um, and uh, everybody gets fed up with the latter. It's, it's, it's out of date. It doesn't stand the test of time. It, it, it It's not how it works. Yeah. So if you want to motivate people, it's not about telling them what to do. It's about helping them find their their options, and their way of working. Uh, so, so that's what I've always done. So my business, I, I, I've been running for almost 20 years now. Um, and I had a period where my wife and I, we lived in Australia, where I was part of a dot-com business out there. And we had three wonderful years, which was great fun. And then when we came back, uh, uh, that was where I set up a business in the, in the world of business coaching, as it was then became known. But, uh, but I didn't realize that's what I was doing. I was just taking commercial skills and, and and challenging and asking great questions of people that would help them focus on what they needed to do, mm. and then holding them accountable for it along the process. Mm. Uh, so it's it's none of this m- magic pill stuff. Uh, it, it learning and development, exec coaching support is a is a long term play. We have to ask, rinse and repeat, go again, um, and uh, not let people off the hook. I've mm. I've never been slapped or hit by a client yet. Uh, but I've asked quite a lot of questions over the time and uh, you uh, stopping people in their tracks and they're thinking, uh, can I just reflect back to you? What I think you just said yeah. uh, is always a, a really irritating question, uh, but it's sort of it's just showing people what they're thinking, and what they're doing through a different lens.
1: Yes, absolutely. So can I just go back and question what you're thinking there about those questions? Because... <laughs> um, Asking good questions actually is really important, and that's where a coach does come in in the, the they earn their weight in gold really by asking questions and I just wondered um you know what what are the sorts of questions that you ask yourself what 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 do um, you what do you get
0: I like that one and, and you're going to get the answer here, which is the the, the answer that you wanted that's a very good question. <laughs> It's too when you get that response to a question, that's a very good question. It's because you've made the other person stop and think. They can't just come up with something rehearsed or just some platitude back. Uh, so for me, the answer to that question, he said, having just bought himself 18 seconds to uh, come up with an answer. <laughs> uh, it, in, in that whole environment, it, it's it's asking those questions that we we are scared of. Mm. Uh, because the answers may not be something we're comfortable with, or that we want to um, be exposed by, uh, and and more often than not, but for a lot of people, that stems around the, the language of perfectionism. We we don't want to be seen to be a failure. We don't want things to go wrong, um, so we either don't try uh, or we avoid and we procrastinate. Uh, and I know it, over the years, when uh, uh, in in writing. Uh, especially for for this book in particular Uh, I know that grammatically I'm not a brilliant writer okay I'm I'm, this is this is not Shakespeare or Chaucer or whatever else I write in a very conversational style in the same way as this interview has been uh and and that's that's the way I come across but what I've done I, I my wife is a bit of a grammar queen so she knows where the apostrophes are meant to go and all that type of things I'm not quite dyslexic, but I'm 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 not very good on it either. Some some of the time, um, and then uh, with this book in particular, I then with the publishers got to work with a, a writing coach as well, who challenged my my style, my my paragraphs, and everything even more so. To the point, I mean, my eldest daughter, she's she's a scientist, and and, and, and she said, "I'm not reading your book until you've read out loud every single paragraph." In, in isolation to make sure that they stand out and they mean something. Because I don't want to be sitting there at the end of a paragraph turning around and saying, well, what does that mean? Um, and that's basically what she'd been trained in her science and everything else to do. And she, she's just got yeah. a master's in zoology. and she, I don't know where she got the intelligence from. Clearly a mother. Uh, but but it, it And it's that thing. So it's knowing where to get that support so that things become... Um, stronger and more powerful than you would do on your own. Mm. Uh, and that's why uh, working with publishers meant uh, one publishing agent I talked to would have published my book the way it was this time last year. It was 75,000 words this time last year. Right. In September it became 55,000 words. By the time we printed it it was 41,000.
1: Okay, so talk me through that process. What why why was it so- Are you someone that you you're not someone that uses 10 words when three, three would be okay because you're not you're not that sort of person. Yeah,
0: it's not about the 10 words when three will do. It's about the the three stories that say pretty much the same thing. Right. Uh, So which one is the most powerful? Then delete the other two. Yeah. Yeah. But they're all three good stories and and I like them and I want them in there. Do all three of them add any value and weight to the potency of the book? or will one say the same message and therefore keep the reader engaged and enjoy it rather than thinking, oh, I can't be bothered with the rest of this book. It's all waffle and nonsense. And it's just repetition of the same point.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: But, so when you're suddenly looking at that and you're taking out two out of three stories, uh, then you're left with really potent stories. I mean, the, the publishing uh, publishers gave this uh, coat this writing coach, the, the remit find the diamond within the manuscript yeah and that's what we did so let's take all the waffle off take all the po- uh remove the nonsense and make it something that's really potent yeah and and i believe that's what what she said certainly helped help me do and that was bev and i i've i've recommended her on uh, all sorts of places because uh, that really helps and and it and it took the burden off my wife because she'd done so much but this yeah. lady helped do it take it even further yeah
1: yeah brilliant shout out to bev well done bev <laughs> <laughs> so with this book writing the book it seems like it's been a a a, a really really cool journey uh, you know for mm. you personally and so you know do you think that you've is this sort of book narrowed down niche down what you feel your purpose in life is
0: uh it's certainly given me a, a lot of that focus which is why i use the legacy the word legacy around it mm. uh because as a result of people taking on board and proactively finding their support network. Mm. Um, I, I, I know when I've, when I've done winging it.com over the years, that's when I've made my mistakes. Uh, it's when I've second guessed and, I, and I, I've, I've asked the wrong people or I've taken financial shortcuts yeah. uh, or whatever it is. Um, and we were, haven't always got a budget available to do certain things. So there's, we have to find ways of of creating elements that um, we that are outside of the budget at the moment yeah so what can you do and how and some of the time in in, in small business world that's contra trading yeah i'll scratch your back you'll scratch mine but at the end of it i get what you've got which is gorgeous and you get what i've got which is lovely yeah um and, and so that those relationships well that that's the same in our personal lives when we're trying to help each other mm-hmm. um that that's what we need to be doing because then we we are providing support to other people whose team may or may not be as strong as they need it to be yet yeah but we're helping them build it
1: that's great um i love that so looking back did you did you trust your intuition no did you feel that you that something was wrong but you still went ahead to try and make a success of something or, or did you, did you feel that in your, in your, in your gut, that something wasn't quite right, but I'm going to do it anyway.
0: Are you talking book or are we talking just in general, general, general? Yeah. It's, it's, it's one of those areas. uh, There've been many times where you you make decisions and your gut feel says, this is going to backfire on me. Um, And uh, um, nowadays uh, when I get that feeling, I then have to almost go to the confessional and talk to my support network and talk to the guys and say, uh, I know what you would have told me had I come to you in advance with this one. So mm-hmm. I did it anyway, and you'd have been right. I screwed up.
1: <laughs> it's, um, it's, yeah, it's weird, isn't it? It's,
0: I think it's, we all it know it's, the but, answers. It's, and it's, but it's not about looking for permission from other people to live our lives. It's, it's categorically not. It's about us having the confidence to be brave in the decisions we make yeah it's a you you get the the extreme entrepreneurs who um, just they leave a swathe of debris behind them along their way they, they make gazillions but the the uh, their personal lives are in tatters and uh, all sorts of other challenges the sacrifices they make on an emotional level regularly are mm-hmm. are, are, are not um not happy ones. Um, so it's understanding where we fit and what we're trying to achieve as to what sacrifices we're willing to make and what challenges and support we need to enable to make that there. Mm. Uh, mm. I, I know, for example, um, over the last 20 years, I, 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 I've worked as independently with a team of other people. Uh, so I, I've not been part of a corporate because uh, I did the corporate world and I knew that they wanted 70 to 80 hours a week of my blood and life. Um, and I, when I moved out to Australia, my I only had the one daughter in those days. I didn't know her. She was already a year and a half old. I didn't know her because I wasn't about. That was the way it worked. So for the last twenty plus years, I I, I have a very positive relationship with my children because I've been around. Uh, the beauty now is that we're approaching that empty nesting environment. Uh, this this travel world that I know you you love so much uh, is it, just begging and and crying out to be investigated and now the fact that the world is so virtual uh then those exploratory journeys and everything else and fun and and selfish self-care is absolutely written all over the agenda and um i'm I'm very excited about the next few years about building that business with the right people around me helping me do that yeah so it's it's built in a way that could be sold if i choose to uh, but it means that i can be expendable from it well that that's a goal whereas that that previously that wasn't the objective the objective was to uh, afford what we needed to and wanted to uh and and not spend my life in a transit lounge uh, being all over the world or being all over the uk uh doing stuff that uh okay it's all right, and I'm making money, but I'm not having much fun, and I'm not seeing, uh, and I don't know my family.
1: Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I totally get that, and and that's one of the reasons why I started in business as well, because, you know, I I I wanted to see see my kids, you know, and it's uh, one of the advantages of, of of having your own business and being the um, owner of your own time, really. Um, I just and then, and then that... you get
0: to a point where they don't want to see you anyway, <laughs> well... uh, so, but, that, <laughs> uh, but then but then they do again. It's, a, it's yes. only for a while.
1: It's only for a few years. For anybody listening yeah. who's in that, uh, who's coming up to that time in their life with their children, um, w- it would be remiss, really, to ask—not ask, ask rather—if um, you, if I could ask you whether you would class yourself as an optimist and what what would you define as optimism?
0: Okay, um, I am definitely an optimist. Um, it's, it's that balance of the cliche of half empty, half full, or the, the engineer, the glass is twice as large as it needs to be. Um, but, but for me, I'm definitely an optimist. Um, I, I have a, a, a member of my family, um, who, uh, I won't use her whole language because there was swearing in there, but why are you always so bleep, bleep positive? (laughs) Um, and, and, to which my response was, was a little bit childish, Said, but why are you always so bleep 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 negative? Um, it, it, it's a choice, yeah. I believe. Yeah. Uh, we we can choose to look for um, the worry in everything that's ahead, and, and and worry is natural. It is. I'm not saying it's it's wrong, um, but uh, it, we can choose to labour and replay the. Uh, the uh, an old coach, mentor, friend of mine used to say, "Why do you choose to replay the horror movie in your head on on loop?" How is that helping you? And, and and that to me was it wasn't quite a light bulb moment, but it wasn't far off it because that was that wasn't directed at me. Yeah. But it was that people who live in the world of negativity, they have a tendency to replay the horror movie of things going wrong on, on loop in a negative framing. Uh, so, so I will always look for the positive. And then if people are, are the mood hoovers in this world and they they, they don't help then I give them a wide berth Um, or if, or, or the other one, which I I read recently um, was, was all about, well, no, I just, just agree with them and say, yes, because if they'll stop whinging and they'll shut up.
1: Uh, Yeah. That's good strategy. Yeah, absolutely. I thought,
0: okay, don't don't fight with them. Don't lock horns with them. Just agree with them and and then move on. Cause then you don't have to absorb it. I like that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Mike, that's amazing! Thank you so much for your time. I, I'm I, I love the book. Uh, I think it's a it's a book that is out at is very much of the moment. And and um, I wish you all the success. How can how can the audience get in contact with you? How can they get the book and and you know reach out to you?
0: No problem. Uh, the sim- simple ways. Uh, it's available on all online bookstores, Amazon, Waterstones, whatever else. Uh, so look through on that. Mental wealth is it. There's, there's only a few books with that title out there, uh, so it's it, it isn't saturated by any means, and it's got this sly, sh- shy, retiring yellow cover, um, so you, you'll you'll certainly notice it. Um, <laughs> or go through to mikepagan.com, through to my website, uh, and look it through there, uh, because there's uh, other tools and t- uh, tips and ideas, and there there's plenty of blogs and and uh, information. But I mean, one of one of the things I always do when I finish on these, so there's, there's two things which is a, a my my focus that I really want people to really hone in on in the world of mental wealth. Firstly, if we have this mental wealth team, this support network around us, then it gives us opportunities to be braver and to have more fun. And if we're having more fun, then we laugh more, we create more memories, and we enjoy what's going on. And that that is a direct uh, benefit of having a powerful, strong, fit-for-purpose mental wealth thing. And the the second one is is a bit of a call to action, um, but it's the reality check. Um, We don't have to be a mental health expert to ask better questions of our fellow human beings. So when you ask somebody a question, are you okay? And they come back with that stupid phrase, fine. FINE is an acronym for all sorts of rudeness. But the reality check is it's it's co- potentially covering up a whole uh, heap of hurt or problems or stuff they don't want to open to at that stage. And it's, as I say, it's our duty as humans and good citizens or whatever else to not let that drop. And if somebody hasn't spoken to you for a few weeks, few months, whatever it is, and it's unusual, then pick up the phone, send a message. If your gut feel is saying, I haven't interacted with Steve recently or Mike or Claire or Rita or whoever, then it's we need to pick up the phone. Because just that one question, that friend of mine I lost last year, I didn't necessarily have the answers, um, clearly. But somebody asking better questions at the right time and the right place, at the right tone, in the right environment, may have uncovered a different outcome and a different solution, and that's what I believe we absolutely need to do because that can make the the long term real difference.
1: Absolutely, that's fantastic. That's a a, a perfect ending to uh, a really great conversation, Mike. Thank you so much. Uh, it's such a an honor to uh, have you on the show. It really is. Someone of your experience and um, and, uh, and and knowledge is. Uh, I'm, I'm just flabbergasted that you you've on it so i really appreciate it i wish you every success with the sale of the book and and your coaching and and everything that you're doing um and uh you know hopefully we can catch up in a, a year's time and see how things are going and and uh, offer some some even more insight and d- deep dive into your uh, uh career t- uh prior to coaching perhaps
0: absolutely I'd, I'd love that thank you so much for your faith and trust in having me on here um and uh yeah this is the, the 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 whole optimism world just uh, it, it, it called out to me so it had to be done
1: thanks mike i really appreciate it thanks a lot take care bye now thanks for listening everybody and to connect with mike go to his website mikepagan.com and I'll put details of links and resources discussed in today's show in the show notes and don't forget if you'd like to support the podcast the easiest way and most impactful way to do this is to subscribe to the show on your favourite podcast host Apple, Spotify, Amazon, Google, Stitcher etc sharing the show with your family, friends and colleagues is always greatly appreciated and you can now find some great content for The Travelling Optimist on YouTube, Instagram and now TikTok too um, I love your support and I appreciate it so much that I don't take it for granted and I want to wish everybody a great week ahead. Stay well everyone. Bye for now.